Today's scripture reading is from the letters to the Hebrews, chapter 7, verses 23 through 28. This can be found in page 1004 of your pew Bible. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our minds. Let us understand these words that you give us, Lord. Let us understand the great gift that you gave us. These things I pray through Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But the holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save in the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to make sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weaknesses, high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. The word of God for the people of God. When I was in high school, I had the coolest job ever. Oh, I'm sorry, the second most coolest job ever for um, uh, a teenager. Uh, I worked at a movie theater. Now, the coolest job is, was always working at the record store. Kids, there were these black discs that had music on it. At the theater, I was a projectionist. Man, I went up in the booth. I started movies, and after that, kind of hung out at the concession stand and ate popcorn for two hours, waiting for the movies to finish. I would go back up and get them started again, and I got to see every movie that came out um, at that time, and it, it was just a really neat job. And then our theater franchise got bought out, and they started implementing rules. Um, about where the projectionist could be and what the projectionist had to do and, and even had to wear a tie upstairs. And I tried to argue that it was a job hazard, that that tie could get caught in a movie reel and I could be, you know, seriously injured, but uh, they wouldn't have it. I, and so um, it wasn't long after that um, that I, I quit and um, I burned the tie in the parking lot out of protest. But anyway, maybe... Maybe you've had the sort of, um, sort of job that you really enjoyed, you got along with um, things and every, everything made sense, and then someone else becomes supervisor, or maybe things get sold out and, and new policy takes place, and the, the job that you enjoyed is no longer an enjoyable job. Maybe you've had that sort of experience. I know um, 
with Robin working in government now, election um, season becomes a little bit more anxious than, than it used to for us. Um, the passage in Hebrews is telling us that there is a, um, um, a, a continuation with Jesus being the high priest. Now, last week we looked at how there was a, um, a, a change in the priesthood, that there was, uh, with Jesus becoming the priest, there was a change in the constitution of, um, uh, of Israel, of God's people. There was a, a structural change that took place, and now he's kind of showing how now that's not going to happen, that Christ is our mediator forever. He is a priest forever. There's not going to be a day 2,000 or 2 billion years in eternity where Jesus retires and says somebody else is going to take over. There's not going to be a point where he dies. There's not going to be a point where he hands over his office for he is a priest forever. And because this priest is holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens, we have the joy of knowing we have the perfect one serving in this role forever and ever and ever. He is one who will continue forever in it. Um, and in continuing that, we also re recognize that he has a life that is undefiled and unchangeable incorruptible, indestructible. He, he will not change. And this is one of the, the great blessings of knowing a God who does not change. Now, to begin with, that might sound like an impersonal kind of thing to think about. To think of a God who doesn't change, of a, a priest who will never change. But what a wonderful thing to know that at no point will his promises fail because he changed his mind. What a wonderful thing to know that he will never weaken and age so that he's not able to do what he said he could do. He continues forever in the same capacity in the perfect, innocent, and holy, and unstained. And this is something firm for us to hold on to. While the old priesthood had this continual change of a priest who would die, the priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. They, they, would, they would die out, someone else would be ordained and take their place and continue the work of offering sacrifices because they weren't perfect. They weren't able to do what Christ could do. The sacrifices had to be offered for the priest who would sin and then for the people, and then sin would continue and the priest would continue to offer new sacrifices. Maybe you know the, uh, the story of Sisyphus, the Greek myth of um, Sisyphus, who for eternity was given the job of rolling a boulder up the top of a mountain, and he would get there, and it would roll back down, and he would have to roll that boulder back up. And some of you think you have that job, you know, that it's just over and over repeating. And, and there's a sense in which wouldn't the priesthood in the old covenant have to think, as they wake up and they see the sins of the people and they go to the temple and make the sacrifices and know that the next day they would get up and do it again because what they were doing was not complete, whole. And yet here we see 
that the one who holds a priesthood permanently because he lives forever, having conquered the grave and being holy and living forever, verse 25, he is able to save, the ESV says, to the uttermost. He is able to save completely. He is able to save totally. He does not save in part. He does not save or make it possible for now you to add your part to this. He doesn't get it started so somebody else can come along and finish it. He's able to save to the uttermost. And that's particularly what I want us to pay attention to this morning. The ministry of Jesus as our high priest is perfect and complete. Our salvation is complete because he is perfect and able to make a complete and total salvation to the uttermost. For one thing, that means that he perfectly reveals what the Father would have him reveal. He is the word who has spoken to us. He, as a priest, is supposed to teach the people and share the law. And so he shows us who he is. And just as the writer of Hebrews said it, God in many ways and many times spoke to us through prophets in different ways. Now he has spoken to us in a son. The same way, this high priest is the one who has spoken and who has taught us God's things. And he has done so. As one who saves completely, he has revealed himself completely. He's revealed not everything there is possible to know about God, but everything that God would have us to know has been taught to us. And so we never have to worry that this book has failed. Do you think Jesus made a mistake in choosing apostles who could pass his word on to us? Do you think the Spirit who is guiding and and conveying these words to us that he is somehow imperfect in preserving the word he would have us learn. So there's no way we can take this and say, we, we, um, you know, we don't like this. Maybe it's, it's something Jesus wasn't able to communicate clearly. Maybe he made a mistake in his choice of an apostle. Maybe the, the attitude of Paul wasn't really what Jesus wanted to convey. No, his word is revealed completely. And he perfectly gives us the revelation in the means he chose to do it through choosing apostles and and leading people to speak. And his salvation is complete in what he has shown to us. And, And all that we hear of his salvation is complete and sufficient for all that we do. We don't need a Muhammad to come clarify what God meant. We don't need Joseph Smith to give us a sequel to this book. We don't need new apostles to rise up and give us new revelation, which many are claiming to do this day. Jesus was sufficient. He didn't need new people to come later and say, let me tell you what Jesus really meant. And we don't need other things to add on to his word to do the work he's called us to do. Our temptation is to, this is fine, but I got a really good idea. I I can't tell you how often I get junk mail um, that's addressed that is going to tell us um, how we can really reach people if we get the right marketing technique. 
how we could really organize the church if we took the appropriate leadership class from some new um, way of doing things. Now, certainly there's things to learn from others, and certainly insights from all ways to, to grow, but God's word is sufficient and there will be nothing added to it because Jesus is a perfect priest, perfectly capable of saving us and doing all that that means, which is sharing the word which brings salvation, growing the church that gives that word to salvation. He is able and sufficient because he is perfect, and how dare we think we can add anything to it. But not only is he perfect in, in, in giving the message and conveying and communicating that salvation, his sacrifice is a perfect and complete sacrifice to which nothing can ever be added. He has saved you completely. I love that line in um, my sin, oh, the bliss um, of this beautiful thought. I'm masquering the lyrics. Look it up in, in the hymnal. But my sin in whole, not the part, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. He has taken your sin and he didn't make it possible for you to now do your part and finish it up. He didn't take your sin and say, okay, I'm going to save these sins, but if you do any more after that, I don't know. He saved you completely and totally. His blood was sufficient for every sin you commit, have committed, will commit. It is all taken care of because he saves to the uttermost. Jesus doesn't make it so that you can now do your part and save yourself. He saved you totally and perfectly and completely. I think many Christians, we struggle with this because we have this idea that, okay, I've sinned and now I have to make up for it. I've sinned, therefore I need to do some good works. I need to give more. I need to show up more. I need to do some things and get serious to make up for those. That is not Christianity. Everything that we do in serving others and loving others and in giving in our offerings of coming and worshiping and teaching Bible school, all of that is nothing to make up for things that we have done. It's all out of gratitude of the grace that we have received and the total and complete salvation. And so your faith doesn't add to what Jesus has done. It receives what he has done. Your good works do not add to what God has done. They are a response to what God has done. As we come to this table, it, it is not a new sacrifice. It's not adding to what Jesus has done. It's not some good work you do to add on to what he has done. It is a gift to remind us of the total sacrifice that he has made, that we are cleansed through this body and blood given for us. And so there might be some in this room who are bearing a sense of guilt for things you have done. Now, certainly, if, if we do something wrong and we can make amends for it, if we've taken something, we give it back. If, if we've hurt someone, we go and apologize. But there are many things that we do that there is no longer anything that can be done for it. And there can be the temptation for those of you, for those of us who bear guilt to maybe kind of continue to punish ourselves 
to think we deserve things that happen that are bad. There can be times that we think we ought to do more because we're trying to make up for something. You are free. You are forgiven. Receive that forgiveness. Do good works out of love and joy, but you add nothing to what Jesus has already done on the cross. And so there might be some who say, you know, I know God's forgiven me, but I just can't forgive myself. Are you a greater judge than God? Are are you saying Jesus' blood isn't sufficient for my sin? The sacrifice of the cross can't take care of what I've done. There's a sense of arrogance in that. Receive your salvation. Receive that forgiveness and know there's nothing you will ever add to it. Any work is only to be done out of joy and gratitude, not out of thinking that we add to what God has done in Jesus Christ. He is a total and complete salvation. Moreover, it is for all time. That, that word uttermost, complete or total, could also be forever. He is one who is a priest forever. That means when we enter into his kingdom, when we enter into eternal life, when we enter into the joy of our salvation uh, beyond this life, we do so always in our union with our high priest. That is, it's not like he gets us in and then there's no more relationship with him. We are forever before the presence of the Father only because of our union with Christ, our Savior. We always are before him because of the intercession of our mediator. We're always in Christ. And that's why it's such a good thing to know. He is a priest forever. He will continue in that role forever. And the salvation we're assured now is for an eternity. And know for all eternity, we stand before the Father in the perfection of Christ himself mediating for us as our intercessor, which also means that gives us hope and assurance now. One of the big questions Christians often have is, what happens when I sin after I've trusted in Jesus, after I've become a Christian? What happened? Can I, can I fall away from being a Christian? Can I stop in my salvation? And what a joy to know that this priesthood that continues forever is the same assurance you have today. Think about it. If he could go back on his word, if he could cease to be your priest, if he could cease to be this, what assurance would we have that three billion years in eternity that doesn't cease and we could fall away any more than you can fall away next Tuesday? The one who is your priest forever, the one who has saved you totally and completely and forever has also saved you now. Your status with God is what it is now. The status you have with him that will be in heaven is the status you already have with him if you are trusting in him. If you are trusting in him, you will be glorified. You will be perfectly sanctified, but you can no more be saved then than you are now. He has got you in your hand, in his hands. And so we come to this table and we remember 
his mediation. We remember his perfect sacrifice, and we remember the covenant that we have with him that was begun in eternity past and will continue forever and ever. Would you please stand and let us state what we believe through the words of the Nicene Creed. <laughs> 